welcome to a Mountain to Climb podcast, where we talk about business, conspiracies, and everything in between. I'm Joe. I'm Jerry. I'm Brigham. Let's get started. So, how's journaling going? Pretty good. Off and on. Haven't been um, right, right on it every day. I think I've only missed one day this last week. It's just the days where my schedule is like get home at like 11 p.m. I just forgot to sit down and journal. But have you been finding it's easier to journal in the mornings or the night? For me, it's the nights. It's easier for me in the morning. I kind of fell off this week. I haven't really journaled. Do you do a, a dream journal and a, like a gratitude journal or an everything journal? Just gratitude. I haven't done anything but gratitude. I've just been doing the same stuff, just uh, kind of writing my thoughts down. It really helps me just... You kind of dump it all out yeah. and then you can sleep. Yeah. Does it make you fall asleep better or easier? Yeah. I've done that throughout the years. Like Sometimes I won't be able to sleep because I have so much on my mind. My mind's always racing, especially right before bed. It doesn't take long for me to cut it out, but it definitely helps me sleep because I kind of just pre-think, throw it all down on paper. A lot of the times, I don't know if, like I haven't looked back and read any of them much. It's just kind of more like just an extra thinking process to solidify what I've been thinking. Hmm. Maybe I'll have to try it in the n- nighttime. Especially if you can't ever sleep because you have so much on your mind. It's nice to journal it down and sometimes you think it's not going to be very much or you know you know what you're going to write down, but you just write down everything that as it's coming to your mind pretty much. Hmm. I usually fall asleep pretty easy already. So I fall asleep pretty easy. There's just sometimes if there's a lot going on or I'm kind of stressed with some stuff, then I can kind of sit there and think about it for a while which lately I've been a little bit stressed just trying to make sure that I can keep my employees employed how's that going they working every day for you so one of them he just barely started yesterday um, full-time other than that he was kind of just part-time while he was um, wrapping up his two weeks at his other job so we'll see how it goes but it's already made a big difference in just these last two days I've kind of been there on site with them and um, have kind of got them set up, showed them what to do, you know, at least once, showed them the standards I was wanting, and then asked if they were good and understood it. And then I walked away and went to another job site or been on the phone with managing other calls or butcher stuff, managing some of that stuff. And then I kind of just chucked back in or help them for a little bit, but... I think honestly in the last two days I probably only did maybe four hours of actual labor on the projects. Wow. And they did the rest and I've just been on my phone taking calls, making calls. Nice. Run to go do a bid, stuff like that. So you, you kind of grew up with these two employees. Are they pretty yeah. excited to be working for you? They're both my brothers. Um, one of them is just a few months younger than me. And then the other one's few years younger than me but I haven't really asked them if they're enjoying working for me but it seems like they are and they do they both say like you really think about ways to do stuff better and get a good result where a lot of our other um, employers they didn't care as much they didn't like implement or teach us ways to get the correct outcome that's, that's cool that they're get, already giving you that feedback so now I'm really starting to realize I gotta try to figure out good systems to get what's in my head to them trying to get them to understand the way you want things done that and even the schedule too is like I gotta figure out a good way for that cause Right now it's all in my head, and it's all in my head because it's so hard to develop a schedule because nothing goes to plan. Yeah. And so it's not like I can write them out 
you know, a week of the schedule. I can get as close as possible as changing daily. Like today, the weather was so bad. We were working outside on a deck, but it was just raining the whole time. And um, <clears throat> we, couldn't, we couldn't get much done because we were just getting soaked. The tools were getting soaked. Everything was getting dirty. Yeah, that shuts me down a lot of the times when I'm doing outside work. As soon as it starts raining, I have to stop. Because if, you, if your gloves get wet, not even that, they don't even have to be that wet, but you'll get shocked. Have you been shocked recently? Not recently, but I've been shocked a lot. <laughs> I watched my brother welding one time, and he got shocked pretty bad. He chucked the lead and was yelling. Than, um, <laughs> just a standard outlet, 120 volt. I've never been shocked by an outlet, but it's pretty uncomfortable. It's... It's a good shock. Getting shocked. Pretty startling. <laughs> One time I was working on a cabinet part, and there's supposed to be a light coming out of the center of it. There's wires there, and I didn't know they were live. <laughs> and my, I'm on a ladder, and I'm like reaching up, putting this crown up, and my forearm touches the end of the live wire. <laughs> Scared the crap out of me, and I almost fell off the ladder. I had to drop my piece, and it ruined it. It was either drop the piece or me fall. And it was like... It was a pretty tall ladder. I was at least six feet off the ground. Dang. Was this when you was in Park City? The, um, this was when I worked for that company, but that particular job was in Layton. When I was a kid, we lived in this house that had... There was a hall downstairs that um, had wires sticking out of the wall. I didn't know if they were live or not, but I never touched them. And one time I saw my dad get some tin snips and cut the wire <laughs> and it exploded when he did it. <laughs> I was like, holy crap. I was, I was scared of that wire forever <laughs> after that. These wire cutters, you can see they're just blown to pieces where I've cut live wires. <laughs> One time I... Does it shock you, or does it just... No, because the, the handles are insulated. If you didn't have... It just explodes in your face and then destroys the cutter because it melts a hole in the cutter, so you go to cut, and it doesn't do anything. <laughs> so I took this wire, because I had to hard wire. The wire wasn't long enough. So he, my client's like, oh, there's some wires in the garage. Just go find one. So I find one, and I spliced it so that I could make the wire long enough to reach the outlet. I take the wire that I was splicing... I plug it into the outlet. I don't know why. I think I was testing to see if it's long enough. And then I get to where I need to cut. Still plugged in the outlet. And I just snip it. Boom. Blows up in my face. I'm like, man, I'm a retard. I just barely plugged it in. Why didn't I? I'm scared of getting shocked. Every time I work on any wires in my house, I turn off every breaker. The last few jobs. I turn on a flashlight. The last few jobs that I've been working on, been moving power around. And I've been doing a lot of it without even turning the breaker off. And then I just be pretty careful to not touch it. But if you touch it, it's not that bad. It's really not that bad. But most of the time what happens is I work with it as long as I can until one of the wires bumps a neutral or a ground and grounds it out. And then it shorts the breaker. And then I know where the breaker's at. Because <laughs> so you you're in the client's house and you don't want to shut their fridge off. Yeah, I can't shut their whole system down. And to try to determine what breakers where you're at if i was an electrician it's probably fairly easy like you can put a charge on that and then use this tool i should probably buy the tool you like plug it in the outlet and then you go over to the breaker box and scan the breaker box and your 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 pen will start beeping when it's finding the load that's running back through the wire hmm. but i just haven't because i just work with it live <coughs> until it until it trips on me Dang. and then even sometimes it's not worth it for me to run downstairs to flip it i'll just work with it live yeah. And I've been buzzed a couple times, but that's all it really is. It's just a quick little buzz. For how much I work with uh, live wires with my welder, you'd think I wouldn't be scared of getting shocked, but... <laughs> I feel like your welder would shock harder than the the 120 in the house it, wire. I don't know. I've never had it happen to me to compare, but... Cause I feel like those welders are pushing way more than 120 volts. Seems like they are. Especially that arc. That's creating the weld. Yeah. But 120's not that bad. You should try it sometime. <laughs> it's like the... You've seen that video where this guy's touched the fence. He's like, oh, that shit fence 
That's the pet shocks you. It's like, yeah, you're not supposed to touch it. It's like, oh, it can't be that bad. I probably just got a bad charge. It's like, you think I'm not stronger than a cow? He touches a cow bung, you baby. These Australian dudes. It jolts his old body. And then his buddies start touching it, and the other guy's like, these guys are freaking stupid. At the GBI, when I used to work there, they had this, somebody brought in uh, one of those power units that, that power an electric fence, and they put like $5 on it. And wouldn't the money keep going higher and higher? People would put more bets on it. Yeah, I think so. I think what how it was was if you walked into that part of the shop and they um, dared you to touch it and you didn't, you had to put money on it. But if you touched it, you get all the money. <laughs> so it got up to like 30 bucks. <laughs> I put five dollars on it, I didn't touch it. <laughs> you never dared just touch you, an electric fence. I've fence. touched an electric fence and it freaking hurt. <laughs> You had cash on you to put put down on there? Yeah. We are at my house, and my sister was there. We were looking at the horses in the back, and there's an electric fence. But at one point, the wire is broken, so I'm sitting there telling her, like, oh, it's not even live, and she's, like, touching. And then their kids came over, and I'm like, yeah, it's not live. And then she's like, I think it is, and then they touch it. I'm like, no, I don't think it's live. Like, it's broken right there. And then I didn't realize that there was still a charge coming from that panel for, like, the two-foot section of wire that's coming out of it. Because I thought the connection was broken. So did you convince the kids to touch it? Yeah, a couple people touched it. Well, if, <laughs> if you like, touch it at the right time, yeah, it won't shock you because it's not constantly It's hot. just a pulse. Yeah. And I don't think it's that high on that one because it didn't... I, I've touched some that... Shock the crap out of you. Yeah, and the one. Catch others that it's just a little tingle, a little buzz. The ranch down the road that have buffaloes. I heard that someone touched that wire and got knocked out. <laughs> and I was just doing work for that ranch. They was telling me that. One time I was next to a uh, electric fence, and I tapped it to see if it was hot, and I was like, "Oh, it's not on." So I grab it to step over it, <laughs> and it shocks the crap out of me. <laughs> it jolted my whole body. It hurt so bad. I think sometimes it also is affected by your ground. Like if you're pretty grounded, then it can be worse. But if you're stepping, like I was at my brother-in-law's house and he had one set up for his cow, but we were stepping on snow and you could sit there and touch it the whole time. But then I went back the net, like later that year, we were stepping on the ground and you barely touched it. It shocked you pretty good. Huh. I was wearing boots, so I thought that would insulate you, but I guess not. When I was a little kid, there was a... Um... My bedroom light switch didn't have the cover on. So when it was dark and you went to feel for it, sometimes you'd stick your finger inside where the <laughs> wires were and it would shock you. So you'd have to like have your hands flat along the wall and try to get the light switch. <laughs> I remember that. All I, you had to do was put a cover plate on it. I used to... Eventually we did. <laughs> I used to drill a hole through the light switch in my... I can't remember what house it was at. Oh, that was at Abipod. I did it at a couple of different houses that we lived, but <clears throat> I drilled a hole through the light switch and then ran a fishing line. I put two fishing lines in it and then routed them both different ways and then connected them to the same way and then put, I ran it up to my ceiling and hung it above my bed and put keychains on both of them so I could flip my light on and off from my bed. <laughs> yeah, I've done the same thing at Ibopla. Because it was scary. <laughs> To go turn your light off. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, li I lived in a cabin all by myself, and we watched a ton of scary yeah, movies all the time. I don't know. Probably like 12. That same cabin. That's enough for it to be scary. <laughs> that same cabin when I was living in there with JJ in the morning, he's like saying that a mouse is crawling all over his face. Yeah, I woke up. <laughs> because there was a mouse on my face walking around. We used to sit there, one person playing Xbox, the other person had a like, little BB gun, and the mice would poke its head around the corner and you'd shoot it. you just already have it pre-aimed where you knew the mouse was coming. Because it would come from the same spot every time. So the mouse you have would... a pile of mice building up from killing them? We'd throw them out. Oh, you'd move it and throw it out? Yeah. We'd wait for the next one? But like every day you can shoot like three mice. There's so many mice on that farm. Didn't make a difference. And I'd set traps like every morning and night 
and they'd all be full every morning and night. The thing that made the difference is we got a bunch of cats out there. Yeah. Cats are good for something. They even started I'm getting like rid mosquitoes. of the birds. Yeah, one time I was at Joe's house and their cat brought a bird inside and just completely obliterated it under their kitchen table. <laughs> Spread all the feathers out everywhere and everything. One time our cat brought a bird into the kitchen and you walked in that morning and it looked like a murder scene. There's feathers everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, that's how it was. They'd bring it right through the the cat door, the doggy door, and bring it right into the house. The foundation on that house was cracked, so there's random cracks in the brick wall. So the cat would just go through one of the cracks. <laughs> that's a huge crack. Yeah, it was. It, the basement had a, like a, you could drive into the house from the hole in the basement. It just had these, it was in a room that you just always kept that door closed, so you couldn't use the room, but it had these uh, beams holding up the floor. The rest of the house. <laughs> Those, I, they are foundation jacks. Yeah. That was holding up the house. The house was pretty rough, <clears throat> in pretty rough shape. It's not there anymore. Should we move on to our conspiracy segment? Yeah. There's kind of a lot of stuff going on right now. There's a lot of conspiracies out. I've been seeing a lot of videos about these fires in Maui. It, was it Maui? Yeah. Lahaina. Oh, Lahaina. I think that's an uh, area in Maui. Yeah, on the main. I think it was on the main island. Yeah. The main, Maui's not the main island. No, it's not. Uh -uh. Oh, it is. Um, I've never been Honolulu, to I think, is the main island. Maybe. It was Maui, Lahaina, I think. <clears throat> but it's um, on the videos I was watching, it was showing how a uh, laser works on different colors. And it was burning all these colors except for blue. And then in the videos of the damage in Hawaii, then there was some blue umbrellas that didn't get burned and some blue cars the only cars that didn't get torched were blue all the rest were all burnt down the Their laser won't burn a blue thing yeah for some reason it, it doesn't just, connect or it something reflects it or something hmm. or the a, infrared doesn't see it yeah so to me it looks like it was a what do they call it a direct energy energy weapon, weapon. Yeah, they're calling it a do, direct energy weapon system. So who are they saying is behind it? The U.S. government. Yeah. Same thing uh, last year happened in California. Cal Paradise, California. And it looked like a direct, uh, direct energy weapon on and that as well. They're saying that they're doing this for an infrastructure change? Yeah, because they want to create... Um, like smart cities is what some of the conspiracies are talking about. And they don't have any place to create it over there. So they're just freeing up the real estate. And I they saw just, this thing that, yeah, they passed a law that said... If your house is condemned, then the state can take the land. Or if the property is condemned. They passed that right before a direct energy attack. Yeah, so the people's houses that didn't get burned... For some reason, like I guess they were just lucky. They're still getting uh, evicted and because they, it was condemned. And they yeah. have forty days to leave. And they're saying that the the police commissioner guy or the guy that was in charge at the Vegas shooting, he got hired in. He got installed, is what they're saying, in Hawaii a year and a half ago, when it's supposed to be a vote. On who the police chief is and then they says that he was running things to where nobody wanted to work for him like he was asking their the officers to do stuff that was illegal or not wouldn't help the community so everyone that was a community guy quit and that the other cops that would do everything that they was told was the ones that was left and then they those cops bar barricaded all the roads out of there that's so crazy. Because there was a lot of people saying they was trying to leave, but the roads were barricaded, and the cop says, I'm just doing my job. You can't come. This road is closed off. You can't come through here. 
What a freaking trash cop. They're also showing that all these buildings and cars are torched to the ground, but there's still trees that still lying green at them, green on them. And their aluminum wheels are melted like to molten. And they says that aluminum burns at 2200 degrees, I think. And asphalt <laughs> burns at 400 degrees or something. And the asphalt wasn't burnt. Dang, that's crazy. I have torched cars before though and it does melt just lighting the car on fire will get hot enough to melt the rims back when we were scrapping a bunch of them yeah some strange stuff there was there's a guy on sean ryan's podcast that he was in congress under oath talking about it and he, he he's a whistleblower so he has whistleblower protection saying that the government's had the direct energy weapons in the South Pole that they can pretty much direct it wherever they want. And it's just and from it's a, a drone that has a laser or what? It says that they ha NASA has this really high tech I don't know what they call it um, like drone or satellite thing that they can hit targets pre like precision right on target wherever they direct it yeah i don't think it was a random wildfire i think it was from the premeditated from the government control they had so one of the guys at the butcher <coughs> shop i'm working with he has that shop in willard he was just barely in hawaii and he left like i think a day before all that happened dang but he says when he was there in Hawaii was doing practice drills and all of their emergency systems were working, like the sirens are going off and everything. And then the day of the fire, no, nothing happened. There was no sirens or anything. Even the water was shut off. I seen on one video the residents were saying that they tried turning on their water to put the fires out and the water was shut off, even the fire hydrants. Yeah, all the water off. was shut off, and school was canceled that day, so there's no kids in school. That's for sure on purpose. And everyone just thinks it's a wildfire. <clears throat> I think Biden just barely, you think he was there recently, either today or yesterday? I think he went Monday, and everyone's like, F Joe Biden, get the frick out of here. Yeah. I think he was only there for like six hours trying to talk to all these mad people and he left them and they were all still pissed off and mad. Well, like right after it happened, everyone's like, do you have anything to say about it? And he's like, no comment. I don't want to talk about it. Clear up until his trip there. He was like, I'm not going to talk about it. No comment. And I think he's still trying to give more money to Ukraine. Just the amount of money they send over there one time can... Can refurbish a lot of build. stuff. That, all of that fire. And they say into a smart city. They say that there's over a thousand people missing, and over a hundred people dead. Holy cow! Confirmed dead. All the missing people are probably dead too. They're just disintegrated. There's nothing left of them. Yeah. They're. It's an island. Where could they be? They say a lot of people jumped into the water to get away from it, but they still burned up in the water from the heat and the guy at the butcher shop was saying that it was going a mile I can't remember but he says the, f the flames were coming pretty quick I'll have to try to remember what he was saying about that about the same fast as a drone flies yeah <laughs> that's crazy so that's our conspiracy for the week. Haven't really gone into a conspiracy for a while, but we're going to try and do that more regularly. And we'll try to get in depth with it. So we're going to research more of what the conspiracy has. <clears throat> Moving on to our question of the week. You guys got a question? Yeah. Do you think you have what it takes? Like, there's a lot of conspiracies that. It's going to go back to the old days where you have to kind of fend for yourself. And if it did come to that, do you think you have what it takes 
to be a leader through it? Or would you need to group up with someone that's leading that you can um, kind of see as a leader, I guess? A leader is a big role. Especially for survival. That's a really big role. You have to be able to gain people's trust and be able to implement and use people. Yeah. And I don't say use in a bad way. You have to be able to understand who they are and their expertise and manage it. Take all of their experience and take take advantage of it. Like one person might be a hunter. Take advantage of that. One person might be a builder. And you have to be able to work together with all of them. I'd probably try to gather up all the people I knew and see what everyone was capable of. First thing I'd try to do is make sure my family is able to survive and then I'd worry about other people. I was going to say, being a leader, um, especially for your own family, I think that's a main and big thing. I definitely think I could do that. But then you start trying to take on the leadership role of other people. Of a community. And that's kind of like with that's a big job. The Walking Dead, you see these different leaders like Rick and Keith Negan. The governor. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> that's and, a lot. And Rick was the main guy, so a lot of people liked him better. But as a leader like Negan, he was pretty brutal, but he was still leading his people. Yeah. He was just trying to make his community survive over anyone else's community. His tactics are just a little bit, uh, what's the word? Brutal. Looked. Ruthless. You just wouldn't think that would be okay in today's day and age. But well, if you were in the same situation. If I you were a post-apocalyptic. I think stuff would be quite different. If you were in a post-apocalyptic era, then the normal rules of the land would be thrown out the window. Yep, 100%. It's like Joe Rogan says, humans were capable of it before, why do you think we're not capable of it now? He's like, we're the same people, life's just gotten a little soft. But people would do certain <coughs> ruthless things if they had to. Yeah. Especially if it's their family versus your family. That's what, that was one of my favorite things about The Walking Dead is just seeing all the different community, like how people would survive in a situation like that. Because when I was growing up, then I'd always think about like how I'd survive in a zombie apocalypse. But Not bad thinking. You can be prepared for that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my question was if you could... Uh, have one of your body parts detachable without any consequence, what body part would you choose? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Zero you consequence. Detach? You could detach and retach it. You could no detach effect. your head. <laughs> <laughs> what if it rolled away and you couldn't see what your body was doing? You couldn't find your head. <laughs> I'm trying to think. And there was no. What, what benefit would there be to have one that? That's what I was detachable? gonna say. What? You could detach your ear and leave it in a room. I think if I could detach my arm, so I could grab my shoulder with my other hand and still have control of my finger, I could extend my length of one hand double. <laughs> or just scratch, scratch your, your back. back, dude. I Wait. think that would be one hundred percent. Pop your arm I want it. off at the shoulder and just hold your arm back there. You get your fingers and they're still moving. Around. Get the perfect back scratch. Or if you don't you, even need your wife to do it anymore. If you was in like a, a samurai battle, you just detach one of your arms and you have way more length. You can I'd, get pretty skillful with that. Like mid <laughs> mid swing, your arm pops off, your sword's in it, you grab it and that'd be insane. I'd probably be, either do my ear or my eye. Could leave your ear in a room and it's still listening. That'd be or super Helpful for gambling. <laughs> Drop your eye down and roll it across the floor. <laughs> Just set it behind the table. You're and you go go sit on the other side. You're wearing an eye patch, but your eye's really behind. You have person. you have a buddy just holding your eye. <laughs> <laughs> just 
just my third eye right here. I don't see any other way. To Anything be... else would be useful. Yeah. You can almost do that if you have dentures. <laughs> your teeth. Pull your teeth out. <laughs> I think my to... arm would be nice. I'm trying to think. I don't know. I don't want any of my body parts to come off. <laughs> you can put it right back. No, no questions asked. Works just fine. Yeah, but day to day, what would you pull off? It's not. What if you left your leg at home or something? <laughs> Drive to the job site. Dang, where's my leg? <laughs> Why did you have it or you, off? Well, what if you, what if you lost it? Maybe it's just more comfortable to sleep without it. Maybe. I think I could use my arm detached quite a bit day to day. Detach your bottom half of your body and set it on the toilet and then just go sleep on the bed. <laughs> <laughs> so you never have to wake up to pee. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I got it. I would make so I could detach my lower half of my body because then you could chase people running on your arms. Yeah. <laughs> That'd only be funny a couple of times. <laughs> Until they freaking shoot you. Because <laughs> they're so scared of you. I'd oh, shoot! damn scared. <laughs> you go to a bar or something and you just are, you leave your legs at the table and start walking around like that. You, you, you just fall over in half. People start freaking <laughs> your out. Your legs walk away. <laughs> Call an ambulance! What's your question? Um, if you woke up and you had a hundred thousand dollars, what would you, what would you be your first three moves? I think pay off all my debt would be a first one because I don't have that much and it would just be pretty freeing to ha not have it there. There's to be a lot left over and I think just dump it straight into, um, either tiny home constructions or a. Uh, short-term rental like shipping container development oh yeah some form of development because I think that'd be enough to get one started and going it pretty much would only be enough for a down payment on a, a a loan on it but that's all you need to get it going and after that just start cash flowing that or some form of a piece of equipment that can make you a lot of money there's a lot of expensive expensive pieces of equipments that like gutter gutter makers you just have like a 12 inch sheet of sheet metal and it just goes through all these dies and forms it's all in a trailer on a roll and then you have this 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 conveyor belt that comes out of the trailer and you just sit there and roll out all your gutters cut them to length put a cap on them they're expensive machines but you can make a lot of money with them huh. <clears throat> that's kind of cool there's a lot of kind of one-off machines that they're pretty costly but once you have the machine and you can implement it getting used the turnaround could be fairly quick that's cool what would you do I probably would pay my debts well maybe I wouldn't pay any of my debts down I don't, that's, I think I would look at it a little bit and would pay the ones that would, they're such a small amount, but it would be worth, you know, the, the interest rate the on them to just have them gone and done and over with. Yeah. But then there's other that, that what it's costing you to maintain it isn't really that much. So paying it off wouldn't necessarily be a beneficial move. Probably want to look into like a development or um, like development with the butcher equipment with the butcher or even like buy some like RVs off of Copart do a bunch of flips get get the flips rolling because once you have one flip you can use that money for the next flip I think a hundred thousand. I'd probably maybe more focus on f building and selling a tiny home because that would be enough to cover the whole thing, and then you can sell it and turn all that into um, doing two of them. 
Where? Something to help you generate money as a second cash flow. Yeah. What would you do? <clears throat> I'd pay off my debt, and then I'd either buy material to build a shop in my field, or buy material to build equipment that I could sell, <clears throat> and then try to get a contract with somebody that already sells that equipment and I'll just show them what I built and hopefully get a contract start building equipment or I would pay off all my debt buy material to build a shop and buy material to build equipment if I had enough now we just gotta wake up with a hundred grand it's enough to do something with but you gotta strategically pick because it's not enough to do a lot of things, but it's enough to do some things. Yeah. Like with Donald Trump, who <clears throat> says he started everything off with a small million-dollar loan. Well, even a and million he, is... He was in New York where the prices are higher, so it's harder to do stuff. Like 100000 would be harder, way hard to, to, to do, do anything with. But it was his mind that helped him create everything he's got. There's this TV show. I haven't seen any of them, but... Um... I think Grant Cardone was on one, but they're pretty much taking these like millionaires and billionaires. Undercover. Billionaire. Millionaire. Billionaire. Whatever. I want to watch Grant Cardone's, but I want to watch some of them because they just drop them off in the middle of nowhere with like no money to their name. and They just have a cell phone, and the guy I've seen, he had, I think, $90 is what he had. To a work cell phone. With. And how long do they have to turn it into a, a million? A month. I, the guy I was watching, I think it was a year. To see how far, what he can do, and he says there for a long time, he didn't think he was going to be able to do it, and he created a friend that he was, because first he was sleeping out on the street, then he made a friend that didn't know what he was doing, that let him. He didn't have to pay rent. He just stayed at his this new friend's house he made, <coughs> and he started working a nine to five for a little bit to create some cash, and then he started. Uh, like buying and selling on Facebook Marketplace, and like I don't know his whole story, but that's how he started it. That show, there's a ton to learn from that, because those guys, just the fact that they've gained the skills to do what they can do in that amount of time and create something like that is insane. Yeah, starting with nothing and going to a million dollars, and I think it was. It was either 30 days or 90 days. I think, yeah, one of the two. <clears throat> but that even 90 days, that's such a short amount of time. That's to turn summer. To well, I've been doing yeah. it for 36 months. I'm not there yet. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I don't know. I think I need to watch that whole season and then try again. <laughs> <laughs> just push pause and start watching TV for a minute. Yeah. I'm just educating Shark Tank. myself. Shark Tank's pretty cool, too. Yeah, that's a good one to watch. I think one of the biggest things about a lot of those is it is a huge um, mentality change. Yeah. And one thing I've noticed um, the last couple years is I've been able to see the way things are functioned to make money. Like even dealerships and stuff like that, like car manufacturers, they manufacture it and then they just develop a dealership to sit there and sell it for them. It's a whole separate party, but then they get rid of the whole sales out of the thing and they're focused purely on just manufacturing i think um the dealerships are private owned they're not yeah, they're private owned it's a whole separate party they're not even connected to the manufacturer they're not <clears throat> but ford doesn't sell their cars dealerships sell their cars yeah and then they the factory just sends an N msrp which is the manufactured re suggested retail yeah which all the dealers have been blowing that out of the water going way over because i think the trucks are still msrp drastically below what they're selling for hmm. that's frustrating yeah like i think one person they said that the truck was like forty thousand dollars over msrp well holy crap i still want one <laughs> same <laughs> And keep this truck I got for as long as I can. Same. I just had to dump like almost a thousand dollars into this one. Did they fix it? 
No, all they did was tell me what's wrong. I'm going to fix it all myself. So I spent like $600 in some transmission parts. And then I'm going to go do the work on that. And then another 400 and something on another part. Swapping it out and then paying the dealer their fees to tell me what was wrong with it. That sucks. <coughs> dealer is two grand. Yeah, they want two grand to do all of it. After the diagnosis. And I, doing it myself, I'll save... 1300 bucks. Nice. So the material for all of it is like 700 and then just my time. Now that YouTube is a thing, anyone could fix their own car. Well, and that's the main reason. Like, transmission, that's a pretty intense thing. But I found a YouTube video, and it's probably by far the best YouTube video for a car process, like fixing a car process that I've ever found. Like, the depth and the education that he went into this one part is like a perfect step-by-step -step guide. And so watching that twice, then I'm like, okay, yeah, this is simple enough to get to and to do. A lot of the times, a lot of this car stuff that I don't want to do is the stuff that's hard to get to. Yeah. At that point, I'm like, man, I might just be worth paying someone. It's annoying when you're watching a video and it says, all right, now just pull this part off. And then it, they, they don't show how it pulls off. And you're, that's what you're struggling at, is how to get that part off. Or the video didn't go over that. Yeah. Yeah. You're watching the video five times, and it doesn't tell you a damn thing for that thing you're stuck on. <laughs> and then you're trying to find a different video, and no one else has the different has it. It's like, dang it. I'm going to break this. <laughs> <laughs> and then you do. And then it sucks. Because <laughs> now your car doesn't work. you got to go to the auto store to get another part. It sucks even worse when you're closest auto parts store is two hours away my truck when i lived at ibapah i think the glow plugs went out so my brother john helped me change them and we broke this little plastic piece that's uh i think it was part of the injector so i had to wait another week for when we went to town to get the part then we got the part and then we broke another one of them so I just bought a whole set of them, changed all of them. Because it's an old truck and it's super brittle plastic. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go do the transmission um, in Idaho at Ben's place. And the pan gasket can be reused as long as it's not damaged. But I went ahead and just bought a new one because I'd rather have it in the truck if I need it than have to deal with running all the way back down to the dealer. I just like 40 minutes. If you already bought it, I just switch it because you're never going to use it again. I'll just return it. Oh, yeah. They'll take it back. And when I was talking to Ben, it made sense. <coughs> he's like, that's the only one I would reuse. And I'm like, well, that's the only one I was really planning on reusing. But he's like, the reason why is because if it leaks, you can see it. And it's not going to be a, cause a huge issue and you can get it changed. But all the internal ones, change them out. And I'm like, yeah, that was the plan. So, a lot of times with car stuff, and it's not just car stuff, but you start digging to anything, and it just is a never-ending. It's like, if you're in there, you should change A, B, C, and D, because you're in there. And yeah. I deal with that all the time with my clients. Like, we get there, and they tell me, okay, I want to do my floors. And it's like, okay, well, you don't understand that with floors goes baseboard. And then baseboard, and it turns out to, like, next thing you know, we're remodeling their whole house. And they're like, whoa. But that's how it goes, because... If this is something you wanted to change and you're already getting into the whole process, now's the best and most efficient time to change that part. You can really upsell a lot of jobs that way. Yeah. I, I've realized a big part of remodel is, is selling. Like you get in there and then you just paint this big picture in their head and then they're like, oh, maybe I do want to do more. And then you went from a $5,000 job to an eighteen dollars to $20,000 job. Wow. A lot of the times it's just the fact that you kind of know what it takes. Like today yeah. I did a bid. They've got this wall separating the kitchen and the living room. And he's like, we want to change the cabinets here and build an island and pull this part of the cabinets out. I'm like, well, everyone's going to open concept. This whole wall could come out and we could do an even bigger island. And you wouldn't lose any of this cabinet space because it would be gained in the island. He's like, yeah, I never thought about that. And then it's just all that added cost. That's cool. <clears throat> kind of like what we did in uh, Garland. Took that wall out. I guess we left a half wall, huh? Yeah. What we did in Ogden, where we kept pulling more and more walls out. At that rat house? Yeah, that house. 
house was gross. What was the deal with that house? It was just full of trash? Someone who was living there, they just were pretty gross, I guess. And I don't think while they were living there, the rats were as active as when we were in there. The rats were only active because everything got cleaned and moved around and the rats got, like, pushed. Because when, when we went in there, we walked in the kitchen and I literally saw six of them run through the kitchen. But there was rat shit everywhere in the house. I it saw this. so bad. I saw this video of these people doing a flip from a hoarder house. And it was like the whole house was like up to your waist in garbage. And it was from like takeout because they're, for some reason they stopped cooking food. And they just was only getting takeout. And they says the fridge hadn't been opened in like three years. And the sink was just completely black and... Never been touched. Disgusting. And that shows them clean it all up and make it... It's like a hazardous clean. house. And I, they're like, all right, it's ready to sell. I was like, I would. I hope I never buy a house that has gone to. All they this. did was clean it? Yeah. A lot of hoarder houses it gets to a point where like it's just too much to deal with and then it turns into being someone else's and the family's problem and they don't want to deal with it at all so they just sell it for as much as they can get out of it and that's where a lot of your flips come is they're nasty houses and a lot of flips most of the time they're just a band-aid fix yeah because they don't want to put the money in to fix it right because they're trying to get as much profit as they can i've worked on quite a few flips and I would never want to buy a flip house. And it doesn't, it can't really come back to bite them. Nope. Because how, how are people going to know who did the flip? All they're going to know is who's selling it. Yep. So. I would never want to buy a flip house. Our buddy in Salt Lake says that one of his last flips <coughs> was in Roosevelt and it was a meth house and they had to redo. Like, they had to strip the paint, redo all the cabinets, and he says he wished he never got into that flip. Dang. Did they know it was a meth house? I mean, I think, I think so. I think they did. But it was just a lot more work than they anticipated? Well, it, it was way be... cheaper. And the, but the state had to yeah, keep coming. Yeah, the state has had... to come in and test it. And He's... if it tests with meth, then they have to redo everything. He said that he was part of a flip with someone else, and they he did the work another person and they didn't want to go through the process of getting it tested and getting it eradicated beforehand and then they went through and did all the work and then it had to be tested and it tested positive and all of the work had to be removed all the new stuff all the new stuff it had to all come out dang that would suck i don't know how you strip the paint but he was saying you had to strip the paint and stuff Seems like you just take all the drywall off. Just take off. all the drywall off and redrywall the whole thing. That would be a pain. You wouldn't want to live in a meth house. <laughs> like no. even one that got remodeled, like it's hard to get that stuff out, and they, it can cause so much issues. Yeah. In your health, living in that, it doesn't get cleared out right. Move on to our last segment. Actionable item. One more week of journaling. Yeah. I will try doing it at night time. See if it makes me sleep better. But that's only if you're like writing down what's on your mind, right? That's kind of just what I've been doing. Yeah, sometimes when you write down before you sleep, like none of it makes sense. You're just writing down what whatever's coming to your mind at the time. And sometimes it's pretty long, sometimes it's not. But if you got like an active mind before you go to bed and you can't sleep, and it helps a lot to journal it. Huh. I have been trying to dream ever since last week, so I haven't had a single dream. I've been you, dreaming like every night, it seems like. You dream, you just don't remember it. Because if you don't, a lot of times I'll remember like faintly what happened in my dream. But if you, right when you wake up, start writing it down then it'll all just come back. I have like zero. So one of the zero guys... <clears throat> memory of any kind of dream when I wake up. One of the guys that were trying to do the same thing, like lucid dream and stuff, <clears throat> he says he started off with not having 
any remembrance of a dream, but he would still write down like his thoughts right as he woke up, and that helped him to start remembering his dreams. It's just writing down your thoughts. I needed to start writing right after I wake up. Also, if you're not getting enough sleep, then it's hard, a lot harder to remember. I think I'm getting enough sleep. I really, I'm not saying I don't dream, but. Just start writing your thoughts down and have it like in your back of your head that the purpose of it is to remember your dream. And subconsciously you'll start remembering it more. There's a lot of times I'm pretty sure I didn't have a single, single thought through my whole sleep. I dream every single night, but I don't remember them because I don't write them down. But I remember dreaming, like, I'll have a faint idea of what my dream was, and then as the, the day goes on, it fades more and more. But you wake up with a with the little faint. bit of a memory of your dream. I wake up most times with zero memory of any dream. Hmm. Most times. The times that I do remember a dream, it's because I'm lucid dreaming. You probably lucid dream more than you think. I might. I've been just trying to get into that dream world since last week. <laughs> it's freaking awesome. I should probably start dream journaling again. Because you guys said that it's amazing to breathe underwater. I'm like, man, I need to try that. It's so good. Have you, like, flown around? No, I've never flown. I've never flown, but... When I was a kid, I remember recognizing I was dreaming and I started flying around. Everyone always talks about how as soon as they realize they're dreaming, they try to fly, but I'm always underwater. I've been thinking about it a little bit more. I think kids are pretty much just, like, in tune. It's probably, like, almost every night they're just sitting there in their dreamland, lucid dreaming all night long. I don't know, because it's freaking hard to get them to go to bed. <laughs> Seems like they'd want to go to bed. I, I tell my daughter all the time, like, hey, go to dream world now. And she's like, okay, I'll dream about this. I'm like, cool, do it. <laughs> That's awesome. I go dream about unicorns. All right, we're going to do another week of journaling. So This is our last week of journaling, and then we will move on to a new actionable item. If you're journaling with us, then... You should send us a message on Instagram and tell us how it's going. And Especially you should... with, um, if you can't sleep and you start journaling, tell us if that helps you be able to sleep. You should also follow us on Instagram. Like and subscribe, leave us a review, and we will catch you next week. What is our Instagram handle? It's just a mountain to climb, right? I think so, yeah. It is... Uh, underscore mountain, underscore two, underscore climb. It's a lot of underscores. It was what was available. <laughs> so, follow us on Instagram and send us a message and like the episode, subscribe, leave a review if you want. We'll see you next week, or talk to you next week. <laughs> <laughs>